you ready to dive into the powerful truth that the kingdom of heaven has for us? Let's join our host, Ruth Hendrickson, for Real Truth with Ruth as we dive into the Word of God. God is raising up a mighty army consisting of his healed and whole children. Some of you have been in very difficult places and feel like you're being squeezed beyond what you can bear. I hear the Lord saying, release your frustration. What feels like it is crushing you cannot actually destroy you. He is using that crushing to refine you. On the other side is joy and freedom like you have never known. And I know that some of you guys are in really, really, really difficult spots. And I want you to hear this. I want you to hear that you are part of a mighty army. You are not forgotten. You are not left out. It might feel that way, but it doesn't mean that that's truth. And there is an invitation to release that frustration. Give it to the Lord. What feels, this is a declaration, a stance. What feels like it is crushing you cannot destroy you. And some of you right now need to say, I feel like I'm being crushed. I feel like I'm being destroyed. But you know what? My God is more than able. He is more than more than able. This cannot, this will not crush me. He, in his hands, that what feels like it's crushing will refine me. And on the other side of this, I decree and declare that there will be freedom like I've never, ever, ever known. And so I just want to encourage you today before we even dive into the word that, that God is here. He knows that crushing is going on. And somehow we don't understand how when we're getting crushed, man, we don't understand how it just hurts and it's frustrating and it's painful. But he is faithful. And that just has to be like this determined stance, not based on how we feel, because crushing hurts. We don't enjoy it. It's difficult. It's frustrating. A lot of other words we can put with it. But we have a God who's faithful. So anyways, let's dive in. I just, you know, I here we are in December, and I just decided that it was a good time of the year to study the book of Luke again, which means I dive right into the account of Jesus's birth because that's where Luke starts. And so I'm going to focus on a few sporadic verses and share insights that caught me as, as I was walking through this, as I was listening to the Lord and reading his word. So I want to start right off with Zachariah and Elizabeth. And of course, we meet them right away in chapter one. Luke introduces them right away. And so here's this wonderful older couple. They deeply, deeply love the Lord. They're both from priestly lines. They have that in their DNA. It's part of their history. It's part of their lineage. And they were both, the scripture tells us that they were righteous, that they were very, very intentional about obeying the laws of God. And we need to hear that. Am I intentional about obeying the laws of God? All right, that's a question each of us needs to ask ourselves. And scripture honors them for that, for being so intentional. So how am I doing at obeying the, the mandates of God, the laws of God, the words of God? How am I doing at following what he tells me to do? Am I being intentional about stepping into those things? Um, back to, of course, back to uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. We also know they didn't have any children. We know why they didn't have any children. This scripture is very clear that it was because she was bare and she was unable to conceive. And so here they are going through life and having to deal with this. And in that culture, it was socially and economically devastating and a real problem if you did not have children. It wasn't like it is today where it's like, okay, a lot of people just assume that you chose not to have children, okay? Some people do have medical issues where they are unable to have children. But in this culture, 
it was really, it was often looked at as, as, as a curse from God, that there was something wrong, you'd done something wrong, whatever it was, it from a cultural standpoint and from an economic standpoint, it was devastating and it was a problem not to have children. It, it became a stigma, if you will. So, but that's what they'd walk through life and they were unwilling to compromise. They were unwilling to make something happen in another way that, that wasn't happy naturally. You know, he was unwilling to go out and find a concubine or to try to have a child through somebody else. They were upright and they were righteous and their focus was on the Lord and they wouldn't waver from that. And so verse eight tells us that one day Zachariah was serving God in the temple for his, for his order, his group of priests was on duty for that week. And it was really interesting because one of my commentaries actually states that in this time frame, there were more priests need, there were more priests available than what were actually needed to serve in the temple. So that, that commentary, that author actually suggests that some priests went through their entire life without actually serving. I had always thought this was just a rotation and ongoing thing. So I'm not sure on that, but it really made me realize the, how, how incredibly special this time was that it didn't roll around all the time. He wasn't on a schedule where every eight weeks or whatever he was in the temple, that it, that it was really a cherished time. It was a treasure time. And so, um, you know, I just found that very, very interesting. And, and I think so much often we, we take gathering together or having access to, to religious services. We take it for granted. And here is something very special as he stepped into this position. There was so much more, I think, than what we understand in our culture. Verse nine tells us that as was the custom of priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. Most priests never, ever got to do this. And yet here's Zachariah stepping in. I want you to picture this as, as the priest went into that holy place. Okay, they went in to burn incense and to pray. And the people would be outside and the people would be gathered there. The crowd would be gathered and they would be listening and they would be watching and they would be praying. And they would see the smoke from the incense begin to drift up towards heaven. And it was very symbolic of the prayers of the people going up to God. And I think something we feel like our prayers fall flat. And sometimes we need to ask the Lord to help us see our prayers going up towards heaven, our prayers ascending to the very throne room of God. And in the middle of this, much, you know, much to Zachariah's surprise, Gabriel appears. I mean, we just read it and it's like, oh, okay, he was in there and Gabriel appears. Well, I, I'm sure he was shocked. Like, not just it was an angel that anyone was there at all. He was supposed to be in there by himself. Okay. And yet here, here this angel appears and just take a moment. Just stop yourself for a moment and think about what your reaction would have been if you're in this holy place, you're in this holy moment. And, and here you suddenly get interrupted. And not only do you get interrupted, but you get interrupted by an angel. Not only do you get interrupted by an angel, but it's one of the angels. Okay. And so, so just think about that. Um, you know, it, it just, it, it just, I, I could like, I could see when I step back and think about it, I could see Zachariah's shock. All right. And, and so he goes and he probably stumbles over some words, but he manages to question the angel. And, um, you know, I, 
a lot of people, let me back up because a lot of people think that Zechariah was in there praying for a child. He probably wasn't. Remember, scripture is very clear that they were well past childbearing years. It's more likely that he was praying for the redemption of the Jewish people when, when Gabriel shows up and says, hey, guess what? God's heard your prayers. And so, and he goes on and explains everything. And of course, Zechariah questions, but the, the problem is he didn't question out of shock. He questioned it out of unbelief. And it's really important to remember when we question God, God knows our hearts. He knows where that question's stemming from. And so um, I actually love Gabriel's response because I, you know, in, in like sanctified imagination here, it's like you can hear him going, wait a minute. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. He sent me. What are you doing? Why are you asking these questions? Don't you know who I am? I mean, you know, it, it's like he's he's saying, wait a minute, Zachariah, wait a minute. What are you doing? And again, the challenge with the question is that Zachariah asked out of unbelief rather than out of a place of trying to understand or a place of belief or, you know, he, he really doubted what he was hearing. And so what happens? He gets silenced. And so we have to understand that the words, what comes out of our mouth has more power than we realize. And that's something that God's really, really um, impressed on me is the power of our words. We live in a culture that's increasingly sarcastic, that's increasingly disrespectful. And yet we have to, as the body of Christ, we can't compromise. We have to understand that what comes out of our mouth has more power than we could realize. And so as he, as Zechariah stepped back out of the temple, the Lord was not going to allow him to voice that unbelief. He was not going to allow it to come forth. He was not going to allow it to go into the atmosphere. And so, you know, he wasn't going to allow it to enter Elizabeth. He wasn't going to allow it to enter the people around. So here's this priest, this mighty man of God coming out, unable to to speak. Now, of course, Elizabeth later on, when she finds out that she's pregnant, she responds with how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And I have to wonder how much of the story of what happened in the temple, you know, that encounter Zachariah, how much he'd been able to share with Elizabeth. Think about if you've had a powerful encounter with God, it can be really hard to put it into words, to put it into a way that people can understand. And somehow you will written, trying to write it out and share it with her and through gestures, you know, he, he would, they probably didn't know sign language. She probably didn't read lips. I mean, you know, he would have had to write it out and try to convince the intensity think of that the intensity of the encounter he had had with the Lord and so when we go in and we think about things like that for me it just gives me such a, a an amazement at the word of God thinking of people really truly walking through this that you know and that's why we don't read it so quickly we step back and if we could step into the scene a little bit and and take the words off paper and let the Lord breathe his life into it it takes on a whole nother dynamic and this is such a common story that I think it's really important that we step back and we slow down as we read and we begin to ask the questions like wow what could this have looked like what all what what was the passion behind this? What was going on? And, and it really will help it go to a different level and really help us grow also in our walk with the Lord. So going back to this about six months later, you know, God sends Gabriel on another mission. And this time he tells Gabriel to go to Nazareth and find this virgin, this young girl. Just think of this young girl named Mary who was going about her everyday life, 
doing her chore list, doing what she needed to do, planning her wedding, dreaming about her wedding to Joseph because she'd met the man of her dreams. And all of a sudden, in pops Gabriel. I mean, talk about an interruption to your day. This angel, Gabriel, this angel dude, you know, he had a really, really ha good habit or bad habit, depending on how you look at it, of just interrupting people's lives. And how often does the Lord interrupt our lives to get our attention? Okay, and I just love, here's Gabriel popping on the seat and, and uh, you know, he shares with her what's coming. And imagine Mary standing there as, and, and, she, you know, she's listening to all this. And of course, he's told her not to be afraid, which is usually the first thing he tells everyone who he encounters is don't be afraid. That also tells us how, how magnificent and awesome and overwhelming and frightening this could all be wrapped into one. And again, but she goes and questions, just like Zachariah did. She's like, how can this be? But the thing is, is it wasn't from a place of unbelief. And I love, again, Gabriel. I mean, with Zachariah, it's like, I am Gabriel. I'm with God. He sent me. And here with Mary, I can just see him responding. He's like, you know what, Mary? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And you know what? Excuse me, but that he, I would be like, wait a minute, big guy, angel, you never really answered my question. How is this going to happen? That was a really, really good non-answer. You just skirted around this whole question because you're saying, okay, the Holy Spirit will come upon me. The power of the most high will overshadow me. What on earth does that mean? What does it look like? And, and okay, so out of that, however that looks, whatever that looks, there's going to be a baby born and that baby's going to be called the son of God. Can you go a little deeper? Can you explain a few more of the mechanics to me? And yet her response is, I am the Lord's servant. And as I was looking all this, I just want to wrap it up because God knows, again, God knows what's in our heart. He knew exactly what was in Zachariah's heart. When Gabriel came to him, I can hear a little more of a, a sternness with Gabriel as he answered and, and a little more of a tone with it. Like, what, what, what are you doing, Zachariah? Because he right away, he knew there was unbelief. He knew that came from unbelief because in the natural, nothing that Gabriel was sharing with Zachariah could happen because they were well along in years, well past childbearing years, and they both knew it. And Zachariah was looking at it from a natural perspective. And even though he was a priest, even though he had all that lineage, even though he was in that position, he wasn't able in the moment to reposition himself to see differently from God's perspective. When Gabriel comes to bury this young girl, and she basically is asking the same question, how can this be? There wasn't that unbelief there. She was trying to understand. She had a tender heart and God knew that. So there was tenderness and, and such love in the responses. Gabriel gave that really a non-answer to her question. But her heart was so tender towards the thing of God that she just stepped right into that moment. And of and her response is, I am the Lord's servant. Let it happen. Whatever God, whatever you're going to do, I don't fully understand it. But whatever you're going to do in my life, let it be. And so today I want us to step back. And when we question God, where's that question coming from? Is it coming from the heart of unbelief that, that what he's asking me to do or what he's showing me does not line up with my present reality? Okay, that's Zachariah. Or 
Is it coming from a place of tenderness and of submission out of a love for God and a trust in the faithfulness of God that we can say, okay, God, I don't fully understand this and you're not, you haven't given me the, the fullness of the picture, but because I trust you, I'm in. I'm in. That was Mary's response. So our question for today, as we question God, where is our heart? Because it really does matter. It really, really does make a difference. And we need to tend our hearts so that we can see from a different perspective. So that as we grow, as we mature in the Lord, and as we mature with age, that our hearts become increasingly tender towards God rather than becoming hardened by the hardness and the realities and the experiences of life. Because in the hands of the living God, absolutely nothing is impossible. Because in the natural, when it comes to children, what are two impossibilities? Number one is having a child in your old age when you are naturally past childbearing years. And number two is for a virgin to have a child. And yet in this scripture, God confronts both of those and says, with me, nothing is impossible. So just because it looks impossible in their natural realm doesn't mean from a spiritual realm, from a spiritual perspective, when God says it's going to happen, it doesn't mean that through him, it's impossible. So our challenge today to do a heart check, where are those questions stemming from? And if we're like Zachariah, and I suspect all of us have areas where we step into that unbelief, it's time to confess, it's time to repent, it's time to get low before the Lord and ask for his forgiveness. Because we need that tender heart, like what Mary had, so that we can truly move into the person that God's called us to be, so that we can become that army to be contended with, so that that faith can increase, and so that we can continue to grow in the Lord. Be so blessed. Have a great day. Um, just keep sharing this. If it's blessed you, please share it with others. We just want to spread the word of the kingdom of heaven and invite people into the more of God. He has more for you than you can ever ask or imagine. Are you struggling to walk in the fullness of the plans and purpose that God has for you? Why not order Ruth's book, Physician, How to Be Aligned and Empowered to Walk in Your Divine Destiny? Available in print, ebook, or audio on Amazon today.